The question is, is what is your LTV, lifetime value? How much over a customer pays you on average over time? Uh, what is your LTV to CAC ratio? Because if it's not, if it's not at least four to one, and a lot of brands need five or six or seven to one, your marketing is not profitable. You cannot scale. You should not be trying to scale. You should be trying to fix your unit economics. Are you making measured marketing decisions for your business or flying blind? If you aren't leveraging data and analytics for your growth, you might not like the answer. In this episode, we're talking with Lean Labs founder Kevin Barber to explore the tools, technologies, and techniques leading brands use to stay ahead of the curve. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I'm joined today by Kevin Barber, the founder and head of growth at Lean Labs. Hi there, Kevin. How are you? Hey, Mallory. I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. I'm doing great. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Michigan today where I am located, so that always puts me in a good mood. Uh, today, you and I have an exciting chat and one that I know you're going to be extra excited to talk about because as our regular listeners know, you are a big old numbers guy. And today we're talking about the power of using those numbers, the power of data-driven marketing. 100%. In fact, this is going to be a real challenge because how do you talk about numbers in an audio platform? So uh, so it was, look, we're going we're gonna to go for it. Yes, it's going to be a unique, a unique challenge for you. Um, so let's start with just kind of your background. So you've been in the marketing game for a few years. How has data evolved in marketing during those years? And, uh, you know, if I could ask, you know, what are, what are some of the key drivers behind those changes in your opinion? Right. So uh, first thing, first, um, you know, I've been in marketing for now 20 years, right? Uh, 10 years as a web shop, just building websites. And uh, then now 10 years as a uh, growth team, helping brands actually grow their businesses, positioning, marketing, and the website being one part of it, right? Um, and what I would say is that um, in the beginning, like most things, when they just start off, when the internet first came in, the, the way you, to grow is you just got traffic and you got leads and you focused on how many customers you got from your leads, right? It was entirely traffic, leads, and customers. Um, but the problem is, is that uh, traffic and leads our customers is actually a great metric. How much business did I win, right? Of course right. you want to know, right? But uh, but traffic and leads themselves uh, are not actually ideal. Um, they're just leading indicators. They're not, neither of them are KPIs, okay? Because traffic traffic is ha- has a huge qualitative and intent component that has to be breaking down. So they, and, and even leads doesn't map to the, the quality of leads, right? The, the fit, of the leads for an opportunity, the time frame of that opportunity. There, there's just simply no intent when you're just tracking the number of emails you have in your database. So they don't map, traffic and leads don't map to revenue in a reliable way. So if you ask what's changed, uh, we have realized that marketing must evolve and the metrics uh, in the business side of it is what has evolved it. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot better ways to do it. So we'll cover it today. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, well, let's start with talking about some of the metrics that B2B businesses should be tracking and analyzing regularly. So customer, marketing, business, any kind of metrics uh, that, that you think that businesses should be tracking and why they're so critical. Right. So I think that if you can chunk this into three categories, right? Because if we're going to talk about metrics, let's talk about some metrics. Okay. So we're, let's talk about customer metrics. Let's talk about business metrics, which you could you could put on revenue if you want. Uh, and then we'll talk about marketing specific metrics. So this is going to be like three conversations. Okay. So the first thing, and I would argue the most important number are the customer metrics. And, and what metrics would you track? Right? W what I would be tracking for customer metrics is, is the milestones and the impact at each milestone for each customer. So think about your business uh, and, and maybe you get them their ultimate result at 90 days or maybe it's 90 weeks, right? Maybe it takes two years to ultimately get to the good result. But my guess is you can think about a few milestones along the way. And if you wanna have really effective marketing, you're gonna track your customer's progress at each of those milestones. And that gives you the opportunity. Let's say you have three milestones. You have an opportunity to get three customer testimonials and, and results that can become an amazing case study, right? So we, we brought on this brand that was dealing with this problem. This is where they were in 30 days. This is where they were at at 90 days. This is where they were at at six months as a result of using our service, right? And that story, the customer metrics, is the very best form of marketing. Like in, in, when you're when you're tracking result after result after result, the ability for a customer to see that you stand apart and are more focused on their results than anyone else is, is is probably the best form of marketing that you can possibly create. Just showing exactly how you get people results. You know, I don't care if you're SaaS or your tech or your service. This applies. That's one. That's one. Okay. You got two more. <laughs> That's the customer metrics. So don't think this support and success is something separate from marketing. It's giving you the very best fuel for marketing. Okay. Now let's go to business metrics. So if you want to consider these revenue or rev op metrics, so we can talk in new uh, fangled jargon, that's fine. Uh, but the, the deal is, is now we got to think about the uni economics. How much does it cost me to get acquire, acquire a client? So that's CAC, C-A-C, customer acquisition cost. What is our customer acquisition cost? If you don't know your customer acquisition cost, here's what you can do. For the last 10 months, how much did I pay all my, all my salespeople, all my marketing people, <laughs> right? all my sales and marketing related costs? Get that number and divide it by how many net new customers you got. That's your customer acquisition cost, right? But that has nothing to do with your customer acquisition cost from marketing, which is the second thing you want to know. You want to know what it costs to acquire a cold customer through marketing, right? For that, you go, okay, well, if about half of our leads come from marketing and half is, you know, either referral or, you know, sales generated, then you would take half of the sales cost and all of the marketing costs and related costs and divide by how many marketing customers you got. That's your marketing CAC, right? And then the question is, is, what is your LTV, lifetime value? How much over a customer pays you on average over time? Uh, what is your LTV to CAC ratio? Because if it's not, if it's not at least four to one, and a lot of brands need five or six or seven to one, 
Your marketing is not profitable. You cannot scale. You should not be trying to scale. You should be trying to fix your unit economics. And that that is the that's the that's the dashboard that the person making hiring, firing, scaling decisions must have. Do you know what the percentage is of customers that can articulate their CAC when we go into an analytics call, Mallory? What do would you guess is the number of customers that know their their CAC and LTV? I'm gonna guess it's lower than I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's when we're talking about first calls, just doing analytics to help people with marketing, it's single digits. Oof, single digits. Yeah, okay. Right. So so what kind of compass is that? It's like, oh, I don't maybe I should be going faster. Maybe I should be going slower. Maybe I should be going left. Maybe I should be going right. Maybe I'm driving in reverse. I can't tell. You know? Right. Um, so so like that's the deal. And and once you have that, there's a second number that, that you need to know. I don't mean to layer it on. This thing can go deep today. We're gonna have to be careful. Now it's like, okay, not just do I want to know my my customer acquisition cost as it compares to LTV, making sure I'm getting at least a four to five to six to one LTV versus my customer acquisition costs. So let's let's play this out. If it costs you 10 grand to apply to acquire a customer, but that customer pays you on average a hundred thousand dollars, that's a that's a 10 to one LTV to CAC ratio. Most companies can scale very successfully to that. Right? But there's a second number, which is what's the repayment time? How long does it take me to get that money back? Right. If you don't get that hundred thousand dollars for six years, right? Uh, I should have done easier math. If you didn't get that hundred thousand dollars for five years, so that's twenty thousand dollars a year. Uh, <laughs> then your repayment time is six months. And most companies can, with a customer acquisition cost repaid in six months, scale off of that. Right. But if your customer acquisition cost is not repaid until over a year. Most likely you have you have a uni economics problem. You're not going to be able to. You're going to have to fix it. You're going to have to change the terms of when you get paid or how you get paid. You're going to have to you're going to have to fix some problems in the marketing costs, right? Uh, and then the next layer of that, the last layer that I'll go in on this podcast for the the revenue economics is to break it out by channel. So if you're if you have a YouTube channel and you have a podcast and you have you're driving SEO and you're doing events, you're going to want to know your event customer acquisition cost. You're going to want to know your SEO customer acquisition cost. You're going to want to know, you know, your outreach, account-based marketing customer acquisition cost. Because if you don't know, then you can't decide whether to do more of it or less of it. You know, and and obviously, it's not just about pushing into one channel. You really want to have multiple channels working. But if you don't know if they're working, how do you drive that? Right. If you don't know the, the customer acquisition cost. Okay. So, and then that's two. All right. And then the third one is marketing, which could go deep. Do you want to do that now or later? Um, well, let's start with the surface level and see where we go from there. Okay, cool. So if you Google pirate metrics, um, you know, this was uh it's pretty well known inside of the SaaS and tech space of uh, awareness, acquisition, activation, revenue, retention, and referral as is being made famous. And and I would say the majority of SaaS companies operate off of those marketing metrics, right? Now, if you're a B2B sales-led company, so you're driving demos, you're driving appointments, you're selling through salespeople, not through people activating an app, the metrics are are so valuable, but just slightly different. Okay, so it's still awareness in acquisition. So how, 
where are we getting our traffic and how well is it converting into qualified leads? That's acquisition. Qualified leads, not just total leads. If you, can, if you can't filter where there are qualified leads, I would stop and fix that problem today. Okay. Uh, and then the second after that is, okay, based upon our qualified leads, how many are activated actually into demos, act activated into consults, whatever your, your main offer is with sales. Because if you have an activation problem, you get lots of leads, but you can't activate them. You're going to be able to see that by knowing the ratio between acquisition and activation. All right. And then activation to revenue is really easy. Sales reps probably already reporting on this. How many opportunities created? Closed. All right. You want to know your, your activation acquisition, you know, activation opportunities to close ratio, right? You need to be closing at least 25%, at least 25% of your marketing generated opportunities, or you're probably calling them opportunities when they're not, right? So if, if four people get on a demo and less than one want the product, you might be getting them on a demo too soon, you know? So, so that's an important metric. Um, after that, it doesn't stop with revenue. And I think that that is a, um, I think that's something that companies got away with till maybe 2019, 2018. Um, but now once you get that marketing, it has to be involved in driving results and retention. So retention is when clients want to stay on, obviously resale, upsell, but, but documenting the results that, that led to them wanting to stay on is the best form of marketing. So it's retention and results. What results are we getting? All right. And then um, for thinking about referrals, it, it's not just, did we get referrals? What kind of growth plan is that? Just counting up the referrals you got. If you want to have a referral system, right? So the last R for the marketing metrics is having a system to drive your reputation and referrals. And the clients that are willing to champion you, give you, give you a five-star rating and review, talk about their results, share that, allow you to share that on your website. Oftentimes they'll share that on their website. Uh, those are the ones that are going to drive your referrals. So you want to you build your reputation by getting third-party proofs, right? Five-star ratings and reviews, testimonials, case studies. And then you want to have a referral program that will reward them for talking about you. And it doesn't even have to be monetarily. Just saying, in this B2B SaaS and tech space, it doesn't even have to be monetarily. You could just reward them with things that just strengthen the relationship. Those are the those are the marketing metrics. Amazing. So I want to uh, dig a little bit into the idea of, yeah, we talked about the customer acquisition cost and the importance of knowing some of those baselines right before you can start trying to scale anything. Um, I'm also curious about, uh, you know, when you're building a campaign and you're looking at your past campaign data, right? What you did last time and, you know, using that, information to plan your future initiatives versus using experimentation and trying new things. Um, so can you speak to that a little bit, how you can kind of strike that balance between relying on your past data, what worked before, uh, versus trying some new approaches that you may not have ever even tried? Yeah. So um, we have kind of a framework that we use here, which is 50, 30, 20. Um, so it, it, and it doesn't mean we didn't ever break it. I mean, that's what a framework's there for, right? To guide you until you decide not to. <laughs> but, uh, but the concept is, is that, you know, I always, I, I'm, I'm pursuing peak performance, not everything I could ever build, right? So when I'm looking at my last campaign and where things are working and where they're not working, I'm analyzing um, our marketing metrics, those 
awareness, acquisition, activation, revenue, retention, reputation, and referrals, right? Just what I just went through with you. I use our tool, growthgrader.com, which is completely free, right? To do that. We do that with our clients. And I'm looking at where the potential breakdown is. I'm not doing it so I can build a whole lot of new stuff. I'm, built, I'm doing it so I can, we spend about 50% of our time going back in to make the stuff we already have perform better, right? So if my acquis, acquis, activation is poor, well, I'm sending them in this nurture sequence and no one is opening or clicking email four and five. And email nine has more unsubscribes than it does, does clicks, right? Maybe I can go in there and make that work better to close the gap between acquisition and activation, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm basically, and in the tagline that the team thought up for me one day was grateful yet unsatisfied. I'm constantly unsatisfied with where we're at. I'm going to go find the worst number I possibly can, and I'm going to attack it with about 50% of my effort. That's how you get to strong performing marketing is that you don't just continually build new stuff, but you go back. It's like a, the difference between a marketing city and a marketing landfill. A marketing city, you're going back in and you're fixing the sidewalks and you're you're building the curbs and you're making sure the street lights work. But a marketing landfill, you just keep pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out, and you never go go adjust any of it that you ever did in the past. That's going to become a nasty place over time. Um, so about fifty percent of our uh, effort goes back into optimizing the places where we have we have traction. If we find something that doesn't have traction, we have a duty to eliminate it, pull it back out. You know, um, 30% uh, is going to go into new growth features. What do we think we can do to get a, like, let's think about what customers would really be engaged by, converted by, or what would really help us drive a stronger reputation or whatever, right? And we're going to we're gonna put about 30% effort, effort into that. Uh, and then we, we leave about 20% for just making sure that our, our brand experience is buttoned up and leaving room for the fact that things do happen. And I think that a lot of big mistake in marketing is we forget to leave budget available for opportunities that present themselves mid-quarter. So uh, so th that's kind of, if, if, if hopefully I answered your question decently, but that's how I look at the last quarter is I want to spend about 50% of this quarter seeing if I can, if I can make where we see our key numbers last quarter perform 15, 20% better. You want to know why? Because if I can make it perform 15, 18% better, I probably paid for all of my marketing this quarter. And, and that's what I ultimately want, is I want to be able to show a return on marketing investment. Perfect. Well, diving into that idea of, you know, getting a return on the marketing investment. I'm curious. So uh, we say we've got a company that's just kind of getting started with leveraging these analytics to you know, make some of their marketing decisions, plan out their campaigns, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, are there any kind of smaller, quicker wins that these kinds of brands can target first um, so that they can start to see that return on investment, get that stakeholder buy-in? Um, and if you have an example right, about a business that you've worked with, kind of started with some of those quick wins to build momentum, that would be very great. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll share with you exactly the insight that we got not even that long ago okay and it was by getting to work with hubspot when they launched the new cms starter okay hubspot's a billion dollar company if they followed this playbook maybe it'll work for and i mean not just a billion multi-billion dollar company yeah uh, 
So, like, uh, if they follow this playbook, there's a chance that it might apply to us. Okay, so let's let's check it out. Uh, we talked about those marketing metrics, right? Awareness, which is traffic, acquisition, leads, activation, demos, revenue, right? Then we have retention and results, and we have referrals, reputation, right? So, what most companies do is if you were to draw a funnel, ye old funnel, we, we're going to focus mostly on traffic and leads because it's at the top and we're going to drive into activation and then we're going to drive into revenue. And then when we get around to it, we'll put in a retention system. We're going to get results from clients and we're going to work on referrals and our reputation, right? Well, when I got to work with HubSpot on their uh, CMS starter launch, they did exactly that, but in the opposite order. And I thought it was brilliant. And I was like, how did I miss this for the last 10 years? And after <laughs> a little bit of self-loathing, I was like, well, I know it now. So maybe we should start making this shift. Okay. Here's what they did. Before the product even launched, they're like, Kevin, here's access to the CMS starter. Would you be open to building something on it and giving us your feedback? What does it do well? What does it do poorly? Who is it best for? How would you talk to the people that it's best for about it? That's what they that's what they wanted my involvement for is to get in there and go, okay, this is this is who it's exactly for and this is how it'll exactly work for them and this is why they would utilize it and this is when the when moving up into the pro version would be better. You know what they said? They said, "Great, would you mind if we wrote that out and used it in our marketing?" Okay, what's the lesson here? They worked on reputation first. Yeah. Reputation from day one, okay? Um, and so they're doing they're doing the exact same thing, but even as a large company, they're doing it in the opposite order. And I think that that's the winning vein. You wanna talk about getting started, getting a quick win? It's, it's get reputation for what you've already done. One, it's easy. Two, it doesn't take long. Three, it's highly impactful because that's fuel for your marketing. You can just talk about the results that you've been getting and who your customer says it's best for. And it's even best when the customer says it. And the cost of this is literally a little bit of time strengthening relationships with clients you already have who will give you your best marketing. Um, so it's interviewing clients is the first win. The second win is having a retention plan for the clients that you already have, right? Documenting the results and documenting. The second thing they did is they asked me for about how we're not on CMS Starter. We're not on CMS Pro. We're on CMS Enterprise. We've been on HubSpot Enterprise everything for, for a long time. And that was like, that's awesome. They're like, do you have any stories and examples that you'd like to share? I'm like, I'm happy to. You know what they did? They turned that into a result story. They got pushed out, right? So, so first they built reputation. Then they're talking to me about my journey and re retention. And they're turning that into something they're putting out on their website um, around around their other products. So that's the second thing they did. And the fact is, is HubSpot does a, they, they were actually struggling with retention for years until they flipped this. Uh, Mark Roberge talks about this quite a bit. Uh, and and this was part of the flip that we, that we started to make where we realized we got to build this from the bottom up, but they focus on their retention. And think of it like this. If you're marketing, let's say you have an 80% retention rate in your $2 million company. That means that next year, if you don't bring anyone new in, you're a $1.6 million company because you know roughly 20% of your customers will have achieved their result and moved on or whatever reason, right? Well, if you can move that from an 80% to an 
to an 88%. You know, you're going to you're going to move that up 10%. You can remove that tension rate up. Um then what's going to happen is is that's going to largely pay for for multiple full-time people doing marketing and it's easier to keep customers you already have and document the heck out of that and use that to get new customers than it is to just focus on traffic and leads from scratch. So building this from the bottom up, telling those stories to get more revenue from the leads you already have, and telling those stories to get more demos from the leads you already have is is the right way to build it. It's build it from the bottom up. How did I do? A little bit long in the tooth, but hopefully it's helpful. No, I think that was great. Some really great context there. So it sounds like maybe one pitfall that especially like newer companies should possibly avoid is focusing too heavily on the the stereotypical top of the funnel. Um, what what are some of the other biggest pitfalls um, that companies can avoid when it comes to using data analytics in their marketing? Yeah. So um, the biggest pitfall, like you said, is just driving out to traffic and leads. We're gonna we're gonna hire a marketer, or we're gonna hire an agency, or we're gonna hire an advertising firm. They're just gonna go get us traffic and leads, but we don't have a we don't have a system in place to nurture those leads. Right? We don't have a system in place to segment and score and pass the good leads to marketing. I'm sorry, to sales and the the leads that aren't ready yet back into nurture system that doesn't even exist. Right? That's a that's a very immature form of marketing. Um, also, that that exact same campaign tends to be very here's our product focused rather than here's your problem focused and let me show you how you can fix it. Uh, most people are motivated to move away from pain. They're doing things that are essential. <laughs> uh, if we can't speak to their pain, we're not going to have a lot of traction with our solution. So if I was to think about where, you know, what what that looks like, it's, it's, it, it isn't focusing on the top of the funnel to begin with, uh, like we talked about. But then when you do, it's changing your focus to speaking about it in the way your customer would if they were talking to another one of their customers at lunch. Uh, around their problems and around their goals, it, not about your product. They're not going to talk extensively about your product at lunch. It's just not how it works, you know? Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about HubSpot, um, which I know, you know, obviously we we use uh, HubSpot here uh, at Lean Labs. Um, I'm curious, what are some of the most critical tools and technologies? And I'm, I'm just, I'm leading with HubSpot because I'm guessing that's going to be one of the tools that you might mention um, that, are effective in studying, leveraging, seeing your marketing analytics, and you know what what tools do you use and rely on for for this information? Right. So um, here's the deal: we we do bleed slightly orange. Uh, we're big fans of HubSpot <laughs> um, because what we figured out is that when we have all of our campaigns and all of our content and all of our contacts, like leads. And all of our analytics and all of the sales notes and all all in one place, we get to make way better decisions, right? So HubSpot happens to enable us to do that, right? So because it does that, because that because having access to all of the analytics and results in one place just makes marketing so much easier. Um, we're we're big HubSpot fans. If you can only imagine having to log into, and if I mention a tool, I'm not trying to throw any shade on your tool. I'm throwing shade at the freaking system of having to log in <laughs> log out of many tools. So if you're on a WordPress website and then you're using a contact form system, well, if you want to see your 
your conversion rate on your forms. You gotta, you're gonna have to go either have a form for every single page, or you're gonna have to figure out how your contact forms are being used just to know basic thing like conversion rate, right? And then if you wanted to know the segmentation of that, you're gonna have to log out of the form tool. You're gonna have to log into another tool where you're segmenting your leads and scoring them. And then if you wanted to know how many, how well they're being nurtured, you would have to log out of that and do another tool to figure out, well, do, am I even nurturing all the contacts on these lists? How, how have I split them up? Uh, what does that look like? And what are, my, what are my nurturing stats look like, right? And then if you wanted to filter that by, for your highest profile leads, my guess is that's impossible for you, right? And we're just doing the basics. We're just doing the basics. We haven't gotten into any split testing or smart content or you know personalization, anything like that, um, that HubSpot does natively. So yeah, I think it's a lot harder to not do if you're if you're driving leads through sales, which means you're talking to your customers, um, I think HubSpot is the leading platform. Now it doesn't mean you're only going to use it, right? Um, there's going to be other tools that you use. Uh, the very first thing I do if I consider a tool, though, I'm just letting you know, is I put in tool name, integrate HubSpot. Like it's the first thing that I search because I want I want to I want to continue to build on one stack, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's a great takeaway, a great uh, writer downer for for this piece of the episode is, you know, regardless of what tool you're using, make sure that they can all integrate together. Um, so you can have a single source of truth rather than a cobbled together tech stack. So it's really hard to know what's working, what's not when you don't have a place to go get all your numbers and all your numbers are in 30 different places. Here's what I've observed. No one logs in and checks them. It's just too difficult. That amount of friction was enough. Imagine if you had to go to a different room of the gym for every single piece of exercise equipment. You just wouldn't do it. It would just be enough friction. They're like, I'm just not going to go. Yes. You know, well, or, you know, if you have a large enough organization where you say, you know, this group will check these numbers and that group will check, you know, this system for numbers. Uh, you know, I worked at, at some larger organizations that suffered from this. Uh, and then you run into the classic, your numbers don't match my numbers, right? Or, or, or here's the scenario in that, in that silo environment. It's like you go, you go to the social people. How's that going? Oh, we have all of this engagement happening, right? These are our numbers. You go to the nurturing department, you go into the uh, SEO department, you go to the sales department, you go to the BDRs, and everyone feels like they're hitting their numbers. That's the report you're going to get. And you're going to be like, great, why are we hitting our goals? Right? And, right. Uh, and and that's what happens when you're just going and looking at it one number, one platform at a time, one person at a time. You got to have you got to have a dashboard um, to look at this with. Amazing. So I want to close things out as we often do, uh, looking ahead. So, what uh, does the future hold in your uh, you know experience and opinion uh, regarding marketing analytics and optimization in that area? And do you see any kind of emerging trends that our listeners should be keeping an eye on? Um, I think if you're using the right platform, it's going to get easier to get to the metrics. It's going to get easier to understand the metrics. Um, I mean, I happen to know that Darmesh from HubSpot is literally working on agents right now that you won't have to go read a bunch of reports. You'll just be able to literally type in a conversational way to AI, which will go retrieve all of your numbers for you. And you will be able to chat back and you're like, break it down and show me my weaknesses. And it'll be able to compare that to benchmarks. Um, probably in the next 18, 24 months, maybe less. It's going, it's gone faster than I thought it would, Mallory. Um, 
this AI revolution has come about. So I would expect us to have access to more data, but more data isn't always better. I'm not a giant fan of all of those dashboard tools where you put 50 metrics on the screen. It kind of feels like whack-a-mole because the strategy becomes, which number do we not like? Oh, go chase it. Um, you know, I think it becomes where it's just going to get a little bit easier to get to your core metrics. And then how quickly can you act upon it? And and your company's ability to see data and evolve is probably your competitive advantage, right? Uh, everyone has good people, right? Everyone has experience. Everyone loves their customer. So so what is your marketing edge? It's it's being able to build a builder mousetrap, to, to use data to make the right decisions that improve the effectiveness of your marketing efforts. And, and I think that uh, we're in a great time where that part, that part of it has never been easier. Other things are harder, but that part's never been easier. So what a great note to leave it on. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for chatting with me today about analytics and data and how business leaders and marketers can use this information for their business growth. It's a lot of fun. I hope that we're helping you guys win uh, and look forward to uh, chatting with you guys about some of those wins here soon. Absolutely. I think the information that you shared is definitely going to give our listeners a solid base for how they can start measuring and improving those metrics uh, and start boosting their growth. So thank you everyone out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, take a second and give us a rating and a review on your podcast application of choice. And until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.